Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are talking about episode 5 of the Book of the Mandalore Boba Fett. Yeah, this is the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, forgive me, episode 6 of the Book of Mandalorian Fett. Uh, and we're going to be doing that with myself, Matthew Fox, and our special guest who I'll talk to you about right after this commercial break. We have no control over Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Unfortunately, our normal co-host, Ashley Coffin, cannot be joining us today. She's got some really exciting and important stuff that she's doing that hopefully she'll get to talk to you about soon. But I was very happy we did have a guest already lined up. Uh, our guest is the host of the Jedi Journals, the Superhero Suite, and Enjoy Stuff, a man who ordered the original mail-in Boba Fett action figure, Jovial J. Shepard. Jay, how you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me over, Matthew. I'm very excited to talk about the Book of Cobra, Co- uh, Book of uh, Boba Fett <laughs> this week. So. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We will be talking about Cobra Kai on the uh, Superhero Ethics podcast. I'll oh, get excellent. You on there at some point too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Jay, you and I met because you were a guest on the uh, Marvel Movie Minute that I've been doing about Thor, along with Andy Nelson. Absolutely, uh, yes. And and I heard you had a lot of background with Star Wars and stuff like that, and so I was like, I knew I wanted to get you on this. Talk to us a bit about kind of where you come from with Star Wars, and clearly you were a Star Wars fan for quite a while. I am, uh, what? <laughs> I am OG Star Wars fan. Yeah, um, I, uh, you know, was there for the original three films and the mm-hmm. um, and the prequels, and uh, sometime in the early two thousands, I decided to kind of start getting into the Star Wars community. Joined uh, uh, as a reporter on Rebel Scum and the Force.net. And have been working with them for about the last 17, 18 years. And nice. um, started podcasting with the Forcecast as guest appearances as we were doing roundtables on the Clone Wars and talking about uh-huh. all sorts of other stuff. And then started my own show, The Jedi Journals, which discussed everything in terms of Star Wars literature. And uh, that show uh, went from 2011 to the end of last year. And we've kind of put it on a hiatus right now just due to job and family and yeah. life things and not having time to read a lo- us, all the <laughs> books and stuff that are coming out. So yeah, I've been I've been digging Star Wars for most of my life here. I hear you. What? I think you and I have a pretty similar generation. My mother always would joke that um, when I was very young, she never needed a babysitter. She just knew that if she poked, she knew that if she just popped the first Star Wars movie, what we now call A New Hope, into the Betamax to date myself. Yes, a Betamax. (laughs) I if that was on the TV, I was not going to get in any trouble for the two hours she had to run errands. So yeah, that's awesome. I get that. Yeah. so yeah, so talk to us a bit about, um, we're going to dive into this episode, episode six, as you corrected me, thank you very much, of, is of the Book of Boba Fett, and I think that's something we're going to talk about in more de- depth of, you know, people have thoughts about, is this still the show of Book of Boba Fett, and uh, we'll get into that, but let me just start by, what have you been thinking about the show overall, like before even we get into this specific episode? So, um, with this episode and with the previous episode, I'm... I'm a little disappointed just in terms of the fact that the main character has not been on the show. Um, I mean, it's called the book of Boba Fett and, and you know, these, if we weren't already getting a Mandalorian series, I would say, you know, these are like backdoor pilot kind of episodes. You know, those episodes of the normal TV show that you watch where your main characters become the tertiary characters and somebody else takes over because they're going to get a spinoff at some point. That being said, I'm very excited to have been uh, picked to be on this particular episode because the the advancements of the expanded universe and yeah. moving cartoon elements into the uh, live action realm here that they did this week was just mind boggling and. I love a good Western, and I thought this was fifty uh, percent <laughs> of this was a good Western, uh, a space mm-hmm. Western in this case. Uh, I really loved the Marshall episode of The Mandalorian uh, mm-hmm. that we got. Uh, what was that last season? I guess with with Cobb yeah. Vanth originally. So, yeah, um, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised at what they're doing, and I'm and I'm just surprised overall at the. I don't know if they're risks. Uh, it, it seems like it might be a risk in terms of alienating fans that don't know what the heck's going on right now, you know? Yeah. And that is why I'm a little sad that Ashley Coffin can't join us because 
she she's someone who loves the movies and has really enjoyed the live action shows. She hasn't watched any of the um she hasn't watched any of the animated shows, and so she's been that great perspective of like, okay, is this too much fan service or is it being caught up? Uh, oh, yeah, so I'm definitely gonna enjoy hearing the uh, from your fans, like what do you love, what do you not love? Is it too much? Is it not? But you're right, there's so much from those shows, and it's funny, just starting on the Western point, like we joke about like, is this the book of Boba Fett? Is this the Mandalorian? Honestly, a lot of this felt like the new season of Deadwood that I've been <laughs> craving. And like, I kept thinking, like, at the first, I wanted Al Swearingen to show up. And if there's anyone like Al Swearingen in the Star Wars universe, it's Cad Bane. Yeah. So, like, that's, you well, know. And with W. Earl Brown playing the Weequay bartender, uh, and yeah. <laughs> he was the bartender in Deadwood, right? So, it. Uh, oh, really? I, is that the same actor? I didn't even put that together. Uh, yeah. He was, uh, I mean, I think he was the bartender. He was in Deadwood. Um, okay. So uh, the yeah. So and that's his. This is his what second appearance because he was in the the Marshall episode of, of Mandalorian. Right. So yeah, it's um, it, that is probably one of my favorite things about Star Wars. It's just in terms of genre bending, it can mm. take from so many other different things, and it has informed my um, filmic choices of being interested in samurai epics uh of like kurosawa works or mm. john sturgis or john uh ford westerns because yeah. i grew up watching star wars and indiana jones and then you discover these other films and you're like oh my gosh they watched this film and then they took these elements and put it in star wars and that's what i like about star wars and so now i like this other stuff too so yeah it's, it's fun Definitely, definitely. Like, I'm not a huge anime fan, but I know for those who are, the um, Star Wars Visions mm-hmm. uh, was so fantastic, like taking this and putting it into that genre as well. well and let's talk about, we're going to get into the elements of this, ser- of this specific episode, because there's a lot to talk about. But I think one of the things people are talking about a lot online, and you brought this up, is this question of like, is this really the book of Boba Fett anymore? With, you know, he was not on screen in the slightest at the last episode. In this, he appears on screen, but he literally doesn't say a word of dialogue in this episode. And on the one hand, I, I do want more of him. I had a feeling, though, and I, I don't know if you've been feeling this. Um, have you been watching the Disney Plus Marvel shows? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big, okay. big fan of those. I've really loved those, but at times I've felt a little a little unhappy that they all felt like they were they, – they didn't feel like a connected universe. You know, they all felt like they were each in their own thing, you know, like what Wanda was doing wasn't – wasn't affecting what was happening with, you know, the 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 blip stuff in Falcon the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Wasn't affecting the Hawkeye stuff. Here, this feels like it's all just the. It, it, and I think they kind of said this was basically going to be season three of The Mandalorian. I, I feel like they're turning this more into an ensemble show of just we're going to follow the characters whose stories are most relevant now. And you're right; it's a little weird because it's still called the Book of Boba Fett, and I I want more Boba Fett. But I'm loving that interconnectivity, that they're they're not afraid to just say, let's just run with Mando for a couple episodes. And, I mean, and that's that's something that's fresh, right? You don't get that in, in other shared universes or other, you know, spin-off shows. Um, yeah. They, they don't do that, right? The spin-off is to segment the new character that you've spun off. Um, so right. the fact that they are kind of bringing this full circle, uh, I, I'm and I'm also assuming that, you know, the people that are watching the book of Boba Fett did watch the Mandalorian because, you know, yeah. it, it leads into it. Uh, because if you didn't, you, you know, you're, you're probably <laughs> lost. Confused. You're like, oh, yeah. why are we watching this other Boba Fett now? Um, yeah. That everyone's talking about. I, I get what you're saying about the, the Marvel shows and, you know, with, with the way that Marvel's work and their stuff, it does seem like their shows are individual silos to test out and and expose people to these new characters before elevating mm-hmm. them into the the filmic universe. Right. Even though it is supposed, to, you know, even it is all one universe. Here, you know, um, uh, Lucasfilm has you know made their movies recently and. You know, for better, for worse, you know, they are now (laughs) doing stuff in the television realm because that's a more fertile area uh, or lower risk or whatever. And, you know, Dave Filoni really just likes playing in the sandbox. And really, I I do like the interconnectedness and the getting the chance to see all these various characters interact with one another, though I, I do feel 
uh, you had mentioned fan service, you know, earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is there is a high level of that, and sometimes I feel like it's 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 a really fine line, right? It's uh, yeah. There's a tipping point to it, and um, I, you know, I don't talk to too many people that are not kind of in the know. So yeah, it would be an interesting uh, I, uh, you know perspective to find out from people who don't. Like my wife, uh, she's she watches mm-hmm. the movie. Well, she's watched all the shows, but like she didn't know that was Cad Bane. Like she didn't right. recognize him not in, you know, animated form. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. Cause I know like, um, in the MCU, that's often been a frustration and I don't want to go into spoilers, but in more recent Marvel properties, there's started to be more crossover from other parts of the Marvel universe that are happening that I think people are really happy about, mm-hmm. but traditionally there hasn't been much of it. And people have been sad about that. And, you know, we've been saying that like with both this show and with, um, the bad batch that came before it, there's been all these times when there was a moment that, you know, if you saw the animated show or if you'd played the, the Fallen Order video game, like, you recognized what was happening. But if you didn't, you st- like, you know, the little um, robot, the the beady robot that was part of the, the Tatooine, you know, garage, like, if you played the video game, you recognized it. But even if you didn't, you still thought it was pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's been fun seeing how they're – and I think you're right. It's going to be interesting to see if they, if they do start crossing the line or even, even if they have. Well, and for me, what uh, what really gave me goosebumps uh, last week and just a, a scotch this week was um, no, I guess it was two weeks ago when we went into uh, Jabba's palace. We got to see like the back entrance and everything, mm-hmm. and we got into the uh, kitchen. And I swear, it was they pulled it directly from the map in Battlefront because I've run around that entire palace hundreds of times playing Battlefront, and I'm like, oh. You know, yep, there's the kitchen and, you know, here's this long hallway. And if we go up those steps, there's the throne room, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's so it's. Oh, that's awesome. They're, you know, because you mentioned they're pulling from Fallen Order as well. So the the Star Wars universe has always been that. There have always been the nods. Well, it, it usually goes the other way, right? The comic books and the video games have the nods to the movies. Right. The cartoon show kind of goes both ways. It references other cartoon things and some other expanded universe stuff. So this is this is really interesting to you know to be getting these elements like in live action now for the first time to to kind of yeah. be the center of of everything here. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because and that's an example where I'm on the other side because I didn't play that video game, so I had no idea about that. I just thought it was great to see this part of the palace. Yeah. Mostly I was noticing like, okay, why is it that the droid who has all of the like chopping arms isn't the sous chef? Like that's what the sous chef right. does. But you right. know, that's my own little complaint to someone who wishes he had a sous chef when I cook. Um, and why so would yeah, the droid so the, turn itself off? <laughs> but that right? was <laughs> <laughs> self-protection. Uh, so let's talk about this particular episode. Uh, overall, I'm sensing you were uh, kind of a little – would wish we had more Boba Fett, but otherwise you were a pretty big fan. Yeah, I, um, I, I think I enjoyed the the Western aspects of it a little bit more than the the Jedi training moments. Though mm-hmm. it was good to see Grogu again. Um, I've got some, I've got some specific thoughts about that. I have some not nice things to say about Luke at the end of the episode that I screamed I, at my I'm- TV. I think we might uh, be on the same page there, so we'll enjoy when we get to that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't want to skip ahead here. But, yeah, overall, um, uh, you know, solid episode. Um, mm-hmm. th- I have found, uh, with the exception of episode five, right. my favorite episodes have, uh, very much like the Star Trek movies, have been the uh, the even-numbered episodes this season. Yeah. So two, four, and six have outweighed everything else, uh, though five was was excellent. Uh, but you know, full Mandalorian, uh, no Boba Fett at all in that one. So yeah, yeah. You know, I think I'd agree with you. I think I've I've been really enjoying all of it. Um, I know there's been a lot of folks who were really like, and I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this because you, someone who, like you said, you had the original Boba Fett action figure. You've been a fan for a long time. People kept saying like, we need Boba Fett to be kicking ass more, to be more of like the combat guy, and. I know that there's a whole bunch of comic stuff that I don't know. I have seen him in the holiday special, which they kind of referenced with the giant creature he's riding, yep. but that's a whole other story. Yeah, and the Mandalorian's um, gun uh, from the original, from the first season has, exactly, is yeah. the one from that as well, yeah. But the thing, what I've always been struck by about Boba Fett is, at least from the original movies, 
I always thought the most impressive thing that Boba Fett ever did was that he was the only one who figured out Han Solo's plan and followed him, you know, when the garbage was dumped. And so I always thought, like, Boba Fett, to me, is first and foremost, like, an intelligence character. Like, he outsmarted he outsmarted Han Solo and caught him that way. And so, like, him being this kind of planning, building a team instead of just going out and kicking butt— this fit. This fits at least what I would understand of Boba Fett. Yeah, and he was really the only one that stands up to Darth Vader in the in the original films. You know, he's yeah. uh, in Empire because you know uh, Vader's like, you know, no disintegrations, and you know we're doing this. And he's like, he's worth a lot to me. It's like, dude, you don't talk back to him. <laughs> at, at the time, uh, my opinion has always been that the reason Boba Fett was awesome and everybody liked him is because nobody knew anything about him. He's yeah. this dude in this cool armor, but you have no idea. Uh, there's an action figure. Obviously, he was important enough to tease prior to it. I mean, it's the same kind of thing with um, uh, with Darth Maul, right? There, right. There's this enigmatic character you don't know about. He's the bad guy, you know, the man with no name, you know, kind of like the Clint Eastwood uh, series yeah. the, from The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. And over the years, there was all this EU expanded universe um, information that was put out on him and fans, you know, devoured that and filled in all this backstory. And then that became not canon. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they did attack of the clones and you found out that he was a clone and now all this other stuff, you know, it's not for me to second guess the, the creators on this and exposing too much of Boba Fett, over the years has just diluted. I mean, I don't think he's any like worse than he was before, at, but you kind of look at, you know, the last thing we saw about him in the movies was he gets ba- his backpack bumped and he, you know, goes off like a punk and falls yeah. into the Sarlacc. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's kind of a waste of a really good character. Well, I mean, obviously they didn't waste him. They've done a lot of other stuff, but fans have lived with this character for 40 plus years and there's a lot of, you know, in all of the various fandoms, not just Star Wars fandoms, but, you know, there are a lot of people that are very precious about their characters and their stories and inject a lot of energy into fan fiction and, and mm-hmm. reading and understanding all sorts of stuff. So when something happens in that fan universe, in, in the official version of the fan universe, right. that doesn't match with their stories... You know, there's a lot of emotional reaction to that. And I, I think Boba Fett kind of has fallen into that area in a number of places. Um, but, you know, just w- with what they're, they're telling here, I, I don't think that there's anything that's, you know, wrong about what they've yeah. shown about him. It's he's, you know, you're right. He is a super smart guy. And they're showing that here. He discovers a different way to do things. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well this wasn't working. I don't want to just be a bounty hunter. Like I need, I don't want to just work for other people. I need to work for myself. Right. Uh, which is, you know, I mean, it is going back to the idea of, well, that's what Django did. I mean, Django worked for yeah. other people, but it was to meet his own needs to further his, you know, his life and well, his lifestyle and stuff. Especially because, like you said, I mean, he he was the one who was willing to stand up to Darth Vader. That wound up not working out for him very well. Like he he you know he was able to get what he needed, but then he got kind of attached to to Jabba and then sent off to the the Sarlacc pit. And obviously, that did not work out well. And yeah. the fit the physics of uh, jetpacks we can discuss at a different point. But but yeah, but I, I think that's a really good point. I think you're right that that like when a character is kind of a blank slate, we can put a lot onto them. Um, which and, and people good... become attached to that, right? It, yeah. When when there's no reason to assume that that's what it happens to be, just even though it seems like that from all the right. evidence until there's something on screen, like, you know, when somebody dies uh, in a movie or TV show, right? They're not dead until you see the body. Yeah. And, it, and even then we're not <laughs> sure. As with one uh, Cobb Vance that we'll definitely be discussing. Uh, but let, let's, let's actually then transition to, cause I feel like this, this show has three real parts or kind of two and a half. There's, Cobb Vanth and and all the stuff about him and the town and will they get involved and then um, Cad Bane coming in at the end and then there's all the stuff that happens on the planet that where uh, Luke is trying to set up the school with, with with Ahsoka and the Mando and Grogu and Luke. Right. Um, 
And since Luke is also a character that it seems people have had some thoughts about and some thoughts about whether these are good or bad impressions of, and we're not going to get into the Last Jedi conversation here, although I know, you know, people know I'm a, I'm a fan of it, other people aren't, and that's totally fine. Um, but what's, what was kind of your, t- Let, let's kind of dive into what happens here on this planet. What was kind of your feeling about, um, let, let's actually start with Amando and Ahsoka. Um, so Ahsoka showing up was a surprise. I was not expecting that. Um, always good mm-hmm. to see Rosario Dawson, though I, I always have the tickle in my head where I'm like, I, it would be nice to see how Ashley Eckstein would have, uh, would have done this. Cause yeah. I, you know, that was Ahsoka to me for seven seasons of, of the Clone yeah. Wars. Um, that that's the voice actress who played her in the Clone Wars. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just a lovely person. If uh, anyone's ever met her at a convention, she's she's so personable, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, this she's a good voice actor, and I think she could have yeah. worked it out here. Um, I, I I felt like there was some spinning of wheels uh, in that it just in the fact that uh, Din Djarin shows up. And he's just waiting. And then he's like, I want to see Grogu. And she's like, sure. And, you know, but then kind of distracts him to, well, do you know, are you really seeing him for him or for you? And he's like, hey, right. I just really want to give him this. And, you know, she, she gives the Mandalorian a number of things to think about. And I was almost thinking that we were going to get... Uh, you brought up The Last Jedi. I thought we were going to get a moment where she takes the, the bag uh, that he gave her and just kind of tosses it over her shoulder oh. like, like <laughs> Luke did with the uh, lightsaber yeah. in Last Jedi. Um, that, you know, okay, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, she's a, she's a much more respectful character than that. Um, it was an interesting interaction uh, due to their past. Yeah. But it, it, did, it just didn't seem... It's, it seemed like there was more screen time but not much was happening in that interaction yeah. there i felt like we could have trimmed that and and that is i guess my thought overall with some of the training stuff it was it felt a little more padding in this particular episode yeah i i definitely think that's true and it's i, I had so many mixed feelings on this and i'm kind of just like going to dump it all out and then we can t- by make it and apart then, bit by yeah, bit from its throat. Um, <laughs> i'll say one thing is like you i was a huge ahsoka fan and I have thought for years, but especially once I realized that Ahsoka was coming back into this part of the universe, that, you know, I uh, spoilers here for Clone Wars and for Rebels, um, but it's long enough ago that I think it's okay. To me, one of the most powerful moments of all of the animated is how hard Ahsoka holds on to the goodness that is in Anakin. And just the the scene in which she has to confront Darth Vader in Rebels and, and, you know, where she wants to to save Anakin and has to realize Anakin is gone and, you know, and then says, like, then I will avenge him. And it's just this mm-hmm. wonderful line of him saying, revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. And, and I, I at one point I got fixated on, I need the moment when Ahsoka realizes that Anakin turned back to the good side before he died and that it was his own son who did that. Yeah. And... So, on the one hand, like, getting to see her and Luke was so powerful to me. And her just that throwaway line of, like, I'm a longtime friend of the family. Yeah. Like, I got chills hearing that. But it also it, I, it also felt so it, – it, it's like, okay, you're telling us these two characters are connected now. I, re- I know she's getting her own show, and so maybe that's when it will happen. But, like, I need that moment to happen still, I, you know? Yeah, like, I want to see her sit down and it's like, all right, we're going to have some blue milk. Uh, let me tell you about your dad. And, you know, does Luke even know, like, her connection? You know, it's Uh like, I have questions. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like, there's so much about that that I want to see. And I'm I'm now putting it all on the Ahsoka show, because I certainly hope. Um, Now, I I, I, I could see them, right, doing stuff like that in the Ahsoka show. I worry about the continued inclusion of Luke. I, I understand uh, why yep. he was necessary here, um, but the uncanny valley is wide and far, and it is still very <laughs> uncanny in this episode. I, yeah. it, it vacillated widely there just due to the fact that in some scenes, I could see it looking like Mark Hamill. In other scenes, it was like a, a really good version of a video game v- yeah. vision of Luke. 
Um, it, it was better than it was in the Mandalorian finale, but we got so much more Luke. It was very distracting and not as distracting as like the Leia and the Tarkin uh, from mm-hmm. Rogue One, but it's, you know, you realize yeah. you're not looking at Mark Hamill and you're looking at a thing, yeah. right? It's Yeah, it, it definitely started to throw me. The voice was going in and out a bit. And it, it, at some point it made me think, well, A, I feel like, I don't know, it's in part because I feel like I spent so much time arguing with people about Last Jedi and is this the right Luke or is this not that anytime we bring back Luke, I'm I'm just sort of like a little PTSD about that whole conversation and it bringing it back up. But which what I, I say as someone with PTSD, I'm not trying to make light of that. Right. Um, right. But uh, not about this situation, to be clear. But like but also like I've seen the fan cast ideas of Stan Sebastian and mm-hmm. no Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Sebastian Stan, like. At this point, if you're going to make him that much of a character, why not just cast someone like that? You know, right. like, I think you could do and that. At that point, you know, find a good lookalike and give them a little bit of makeup or maybe a little digital touch up. Uh, speaking of Sebastian Stan, I checked out the first episode of Pam and Tommy, and mm-hmm. I cannot believe how much that he and Lily James look like Pam and Tommy. It's it's you know they did oh, yeah. a really good job, and as far as I know, there's no digital touch-up right it's just makeup and attitude yeah yeah so. from, from i saw the previews and i i like you know you know i was a kid growing up with those as major you know characters and in, in in the tv world and um like the actors i mean uh yeah so i had that same experience yeah so so there's that but there's also and i don't know if this is what you're referring to but this is the other thing that, that threw me and again i don't i want to be careful and i'm not just projecting my own head cannons here <laughs> right I, but I think one of the things that the Clone Wars I thought did really well, and, and this is why part of what I liked about The Last Jedi, is that I think if you're paying attention to the Clone Wars, you get to the end of it and think the Jedi were kind of screwed up. Like the Jedi oh. had a lot of bad ideas and the Jedi had a lot of... I, I mean, you, you know, get that from the prequels, uh, yeah. let alone the Clone Wars, and, and even more, right. I, I used to think the Jedi, it, from the original trilogy, I thought mm-hmm. the Jedi were this cool sect of like warrior priests you know whatever yeah and and like they had it all going for them then lucas introduces the the prequels which i enjoy thoroughly and in various ways uh and (laughs) the clone wars and you find out you know boy they were like the worst managers and like just so short-sighted and and it wasn't like I get well. It was kind of hubris, but it was really like they just weren't paying attention to the big yeah. picture, right? They were like micromanaging stuff. My, and... my academic background from a different part of my life is in religion and religious history and theology, and like there's a long history of when the religious leadership sort of like stops remembering that its job is to sort of help point people towards the divinity and just thinks that it's the divinity itself. It, and yeah. That's I think the, the Jedi perfectly. Well, the the point of that being. I felt like one of the messages that comes through loud and clear is telling people not to have attachments while also telling them to have uh, compassion. Is it doesn't work? It, it's a bad idea. Yeah, and, and the the things that I saw in this particular episode that I I don't even I was gonna say I disagree with, but I, I don't. I, they have to do the things that mm-hmm. I, the things that I recognize that yeah. they're doing with the character. They have to do because. Of course, this takes place after Return of the Jedi and before The Force Awakens and, and The Last Jedi. Right. So we've got Luke has to run his path that we already know he's going to do. But yeah, he goes through all of these failed... He's reinvesting and reinventing these failed teachings that he just doesn't seem to have a, a grasp on how bad right. it was, right? He really only knows these things, these lessons from Yoda... Who again continue even after all the stuff that happened, Yoda yeah. <laughs> continued to teach these things to Luke. Obviously, uh, so I had I had choice words to say to Luke at the end because mm-hmm. part of his lessons to Grogu was they climb up this you know these uh, beautiful thin bamboo shoots and are looking out over this beautiful valley and he's like, see everything here is in balance. And at the end of the episode, he's like, and you have a choice. You either go with the Mandalorian or you stay with me, but you can't have both. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, 
it's such a binary. There's no Dude, balance anymore. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. frustrating to say the least because I feel like he's really going to force Grogu's hand because of course Grogu's already made that attachment. Uh, that, yeah. That's obvious. Uh, at least, I mean, that's what I feel is obvious. Uh, they can obviously do whatever they want, right. but I think that's what's going to happen. He's going to go off because the Mando is no longer part of the Mandalorians. And he has to redeem himself. And if Grogu is not part of the Jedi, they become their own thing. And Yeah, I, I really hope that's where it's going. Because it, it was one of those moments where it was like, this is either terrible or fantastic writing. You know, because it's the kind of thing where like, I see that I think Luke is wrong. I, th- I don't know if the writer does. I think the writers do. It's Filoni and I want to trust them. Yeah, it's Filoni um, and Favreau. Yeah, I, I feel like they've, they've been paying attention. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they do these great callbacks like having the sand crawler with the, <laughs> the giant crate dragon skull oh, mounted so on good. it like some weird 70s <laughs> rat fink art. <laughs> it looks kind of like, yeah, the, uh, um, yeah the, the 70s art I think is so perfect for it. And it, you know, one of the things that I keep thinking about, uh, and this is kind of my own theory I've been developing, but like if you watch Rebels, if you watch some of the other shows, like Kanan Jarrus in Rebels is a very good Jedi, clearly. And he's he has a wife. He's married to Hera. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of what we've seen is that like Ray has attachments. You know, you can be a great Jedi. So I mean, the expanded I, universe did this kind of stuff, you know, before there were rules that they weren't right. like, quote unquote rules that they weren't allowed to put that kind of stuff in in books and comics. Um and mm-hmm. seeing like and, and having Boba Fett getting trained by the Tuscans at the beginning of the season was very much like another comic story that Dark Horse had put out uh, 15 plus years ago where mm-hmm. they had a um, they had a Jedi, uh, Asherad Het, uh, who became trapped on Tatooine and joined up with the, t- uh, the Tuscans and became their leader. Like they mm. healed him and taught him their yeah. culture. And so he was a Jedi Tuscan. Basically. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, because I, I, I don't know that one, but have you read the Obi-Wan book that came out a couple of years ago? Yeah, the John Jackson Miller one. Yeah, because yeah. it also that, – that was the first time I got introduced to the idea of like seeing the Tuscans as like a native people that got co- – an indigenous people that got colonized. And and yeah, there also there's reference to like a an older um, – actually, it may be the same character because re- they referenced like a, uh, a Tuscan Jedi from way back in the yeah. day. So I think it's the same one. Yeah, because I think it was the – it was when Dark Horse was doing their prequel era uh, comics right. and stuff like that. That makes sense. Yeah, so that would make sense. Well, so so back to this story. I, I think you're giving me more hope that like if I'm not the only one who was like, Luke, come on, you, that that you can't. You sh- you're repeating the same problems. I and and we know. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just going to go say ahead. we know he is going to continue to repeat these issues because of what we find out in the Last Jedi and in Rise right. of Skywalker. So yeah, it's. It's tragic now because it's like, oh, you know, like you're such a cool character and, you know, there's 20 years of you going way down the wrong path and screwing Mm -hmm. up more people's lives, unfortunately, and, you know, inciting another war in the galaxy. (laughs) Well, and, and that's another reason why I think if, if if Grogu leaves, it also solves one of the most important problems that I think we've had, which is that... If you continue on the path we're going on, I think that leads to Kylo Ren killing Grogu, at which point Kylo Ren becomes the most hated person in all of media history <laughs> and can never be redeemed in any way. So if Grogu does go off with Mandu, that solves that problem somewhat. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, that's, yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, also, you know, we know there's a spot in the N1 Starfighter right behind him that yep. is the perfect size perfect. for Grogu, so... So let me just ask one other thing about this, and then let's get to the all, all the other stuff that happens in this episode. Um, I think so. So Luke doing that makes sense to me. I, one of the things I love about Ahsoka's character, though, is that as, Ahsoka, as she says, she's not a Jedi. She re- she she was one of the people who saw the problems with the Jedi and stepped away from them. She knew Kanan well. She had no problem with Kanan being a Jedi and being so attached to others. Did it strike you as a little odd that she would sort of be so like? kind of so on board with this like no attachment idea i i don't recall her actually saying that i mean other than you know um just going along with it in terms of not 
calling it out, right? right? You know, like right. by omission. Um, I I think she's just she's so respectful of every, of all beings mm-hmm. that you know it's like, well, you know, it, is that really her place? And you know, Luke is the guy that you know just did all this stuff. It, you know, I I don't know. There's there obviously is elements from previous stories that they just right. obviously can't address everything here. So, that, but <laughs> yeah, you know, so true. It, it's a good question. It, again, like you said, maybe uh, in the Ahsoka series, they can uh, yeah. know, further address things like that. I, I think part of why it also hits a nerve is that I have uh, people in my family and my friend group who are looking into uh, foster parenting and adopting and things like that. And all the science now says that like, yeah, you know, if a child is fostered by one person for a while and then gets back to their original family like sometimes continued contact with a foster parent can be very helpful so i was just like come on basic psychology 101 like we know this but anyway putting that aside so let, let's go back to the old west of it uh would you think uh seeing uh, our old friend uh um deadwood uh cob vanth the sheriff marshal uh, that opening scene was uh was awesome uh i was like those uh those pike are not long for this world uh, <laughs> he's you know he's just so badass in terms of the way that he carries himself he's very sure of himself and mm-hmm. um obviously you know he has the skills to back up his 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 words right when by the time we get to the end you know obviously i'm very fearful of what's going to happen to him. You know, there was palpable tension in the, the ending scenes, but in the middle there where he's ended up talking to the Mando, he's like, you know, things are fine as long as I'm in charge. And basically I'm thinking the same thing uh, that Din was telling him. It's like, what happens when you're not in charge anymore? You know, uh, there are, there are larger problems and we have to, you know, work together to, solve them even if it's not your problem now i mean it's wow what right. a great parable for the 21st century at, at the time yeah that we're living in <laughs> so here, true so. yeah i remember that was a theme that came up so often in the in the clone wars and in rebels was people who'd be like oh all this like the civil war or the clone wars that that's not our problem yet and the, and the idea was always like it's going to come to you it's you you can't yeah. hide out here forever yeah definitely yeah i i love that whole first scene um I, I love the way like think it through is kind of his little tagline. It's his his version of you know do you feel lucky punk? Yeah, um, it had that very like. I, it, I'm waiting it, to see the memes uh, pop up uh, this week uh, with that. In oh, the yeah. same way that the uh, I can bring in dead, I can bring in cold, or I bring in yep. hot and bring in cold, bring in warm or cooking cold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's true. And and I also just there was a moment where you had a moment of like, wait, is he going to keep the spice that, that I don't know much about this character. So maybe he is. And then he dumps it out and you're like, okay, that's, that's that. Yeah. That's exactly the hero character that I think you are right, right. now. And, and the use of the spice in here, it's just, I, I find it also just humorous because you know, we had the big release of Dune last year. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the new version of Dune, uh, obviously Dune has been, I think in a lot of people's thoughts in the discussion of spice, throughout the history of Star Wars and things like that. But, you know, getting to see it very much the same way that it's represented in that movie now is this, you know, orangish, glittery Mm -hmm. substance that can affect people however it affects people. But I I totally respect him. It's like, you know, hey, you guys can peddle your drugs wherever else you want to. You know, Mos Eisley is a horrible place, just not here. And it's like he has got that area buttoned up and it's i i will be very upset if he is not surviving to uh come back again agreed yeah he, i'd be very sad if he dies um though i what i also love about it is it, you know it's one of those great things you do of you establish how badass someone is so that when someone else comes along and befeats them they're even more badass like cad bane was always such an interesting character to me in the Clone Wars because, like, you know, if the first seasons are a lot of fun. They have some really bad episodes. <laughs> I could really stand to never hear Roger like, Roger like ever any again first in my life. Season yeah, anywhere, yeah. And yet, anytime Cad Bane shows up, it feels like he's in another show because he is so menacing and so. And I remember thinking, like, there's no way you could do that live action. 
they nailed Cad Bane line and just like having it be the brim of his hat and he only looks yeah. up at the very end. Uh, for those who for our audience who hasn't seen it, um, give a quick 30 seconds. Like, who is Cad Bane and why why was it so significant to get to see him like this? So Cad Bane's a, another bounty hunter that we were introduced to in the animated Clone Wars series. And um He's had, uh, I think, a few minor appearances in comics uh, throughout the time, but he is like the worst, most menacing kind of character that that shows up. I mean, he's the uh, kind of the epitome of what you would expect Boba Fett to have been, I think, yes. in, in the old days. Um, very much based on kind of a um, uh, good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, sort of mm-hmm. character. Um, uh, I'm, the fact I'm, that he walks in with a literal black hat on, yeah, in like old I, west style, like he is the black hat. Yeah, and I am. I'm, I'm totally blanking on the name, uh, the character from the Good, Bad, and the Ugly. But yeah, the one that um, Clint Eastwood faces, the the one that's right. the, the bad in there, and um, yeah, he he definitely can back everything up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. He he does have a pair of like uh, rockets on his boots in the. In the cartoon, uh, I didn't see those. He just kind of had some bandoliers wrapped around him in mm-hmm. this particular episode. Uh, but you got to appreciate a guy who comes up and says, uh, tells someone to stop sticking their nose into his business, and he doesn't even have a nose. <laughs> I, I thought <laughs> very it was true. very true. Just the, and the way they did his teeth, you know, he's just got these, he's menacing all over, and the glowing red eyes of the, um, mm-hmm. of the Duro, because he's, he's one of their. So there were two green-skinned, orange-eyed aliens in the original Star Wars in the cantina. Uh, you see for a brief second, he is of the, that species, the Duro or Duros, uh, depending on mm-hmm. your pronunciation for that. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited to see who else they bring in after bringing in Chrysanthemum yeah. earlier, who is a you know, relatively new comic uh, character that's been introduced just in the last couple of years. Yeah, it gives me hope on a couple levels. A, because I just, you know, the whole sort of scum and villainy aspect of Star Wars is often played as kind of like, there's some menace, but also there's a lot of fun. You know, the mm-hmm. Han Solos, the Lando Calrissians, uh, my personal favorite who I don't know, I, I'm afraid to see him live action because I don't want them to do him wrong, but I will be so happy if they can get him in live action and do it right, um, Hondo Anaka. Oh. Like, Hondo Anaka is like the crown prince of the like he we, we often talk about him he's the one who's always like they betrayed me I'm so proud of them like yeah. that he, he like he's almost like a Jack Sparrow kind of type and Cad Bane was always so powerful because he was the exception to the rule he was the actual like he seemed like he just stepped out of like a Tarantino film or yeah. like No Country for Old Men you know like he is act he's not joking around and um we did see him in the Bad Batch. He he was the one who was fighting Fennec over uh, trying to k- uh, kidnap Omega. And yeah, so just seeing him and, and, and what he's doing, it's a very cliched role. You know, it's the, I'm just telling you, I just want you to stay out of trouble and no trouble will come to you. You know, it's kind of the exact. And, and you know, if you've ever seen any TV show or movie, that it's going to backfire. You know that it's going to have the effect mm-hmm. of getting getting either our hero or our hero's people to be like, well, screw this. We're not going to let Cad Bane push us around. We've got to fight back. Yeah. But but you also see how – I mean the fact that he literally just walks away. Anyone could have shot him in the back. <laughs> no one does because they're been a so bad terrible. idea. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – Right? Like, you, there are not too many characters that provide that kind of menace in the Star Wars universe. I, I never – personally, I never felt that way about Darth Vader. I felt he was – you know, it, it, you don't want to mess with him, but – you know, not the same way like they got out with Darth Maul in the prequels mm-hmm. and, you know, Palpatine in, in the long game and, and then right. Cad Bane here. Um, he also, um, the, the voice actor that performed him in The Clone Wars, Corey Burton, who is a voice actor who does has done tons of cartoon voices. Like you would have seen a dozen things that, that he's voiced. He also does the voice here. He was credited in this particular episode. And mm-hmm. his, he, you know, introducing that very low register, slightly, there's a, there's, I, I detect like a slight southern drawl yeah. to his <laughs> words as if he's from down on the bayou or something, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just, 
he just savors all the syllables there. It's just, it's great. <laughs> it's such a good way of putting it. It's that, yeah, because it doesn't quite sound Southern, but it's a draw. And it's that's, it's the voice of someone who's in absolutely no hurry because he knows that you're going to wait on his words. Yeah. Like yeah. there is never, I don't think there's ever been a moment, even when he's being like, his plans are thwarted where I don't feel like Cad Bane is completely in control of what's happening around him. Yeah. And, and, and like you said earlier, you know, showing us how, uh, uh, capable Cobb Vanth is and how cool he plays it to have him then be bested by this guy who really didn't do anything. He just walked in, stood there, mm-hmm. said his piece and then shot two people. Uh, yeah. The second one uh, that honestly, I think the, um, that was a bad pick for, um, for the uh, deputy deputy. Yeah. He, he was yeah, yeah. not good at following orders. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where, like, we talk about tropes and cliches because often they're kind of dull. Like, we've seen it a bunch of times. From the minute the deputy comes out, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind of what's going to happen. The deputy is going to 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 jump the gun and it's going to wind up getting both him and Cobb in real trouble. Yeah. And yet still, the tension of it and, and the, like, edge of your seatness was perfectly done. Well, and that, I mean, it, with with Filoni being a student of film and of Star Wars and and Favreau as well, uh, I'm sure they're both well versed in in Hitchcock's rule. You know, of you show the danger, you show the bomb under the table, and then you just have the characters talk for five minutes, and that is suspense, right? That yeah. is you setting up the stakes, and then going, all right, well, now we're just going to pay attention to some other stuff, and when you know, the audience can't think of anything other than there's a bomb under the table. Right. Which, yeah. which actually it's reminds so well me of an actual bomb under the table, which felt like a reference uh, to one of my favorite uh, films, The Untouchables, when the two pike yeah. brought in the container. I got to, that same reference. Blow yeah. up the, the casino there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, cause it, 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 because that scene in The Untouchables, part of what it's about is the idea of like, you know, you cannot stop Capone. If the Capone crime family wants to do damage, you're not going to be able to stop them. And it's the syndicate just kind of showing like nothing is safe. You know, nothing is untouchable. Exactly. Right. And they don't have a line that they won't cross. Yeah. Yeah. And which, what? which upsets me too, because, uh, well, two things, uh, one, Jennifer Beals felt like we barely got anything. For, so hopefully yeah. she's not dead, but also was, they didn't show him in this episode, but hopefully Max Rebo wasn't in there because this will be the second explosion he'll have survived. <laughs> you hope so. You hope so. You know, uh, even though that the uh, musical genre that he gave his name to is uh, that he created is terribly, terribly named, as we've already discussed. So I'm not going <laughs> to name it again. But he is a great character. We love our love ourselves some Max Rebo. Um, although apparently he's a snitch in one of the, the comic book stories. I haven't dived into that. Yeah, he's he's a uh, dirty rat. A couple of the last things I want to touch on. First, although I'm sad we're not getting more Boba because I do still love him as a character and I want to see more of him, one of my complaints about the first four episodes is that I felt like Fennec Shand was very much in the background. Mm-hmm. And so getting to see her really get to shine. And it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, do you do what you're supposed to do because of who the star is or do you do what makes sense for the story? In terms of the story, this felt right in that like, Boba is in control, but Fennec is his conciliary, and she's a wartime conciliary, very much so. Yeah. We're at wartime, and so he's like, I'm going to step back, I'm going to let her run the show, and it really shows her expertise. And so I, I did, like, again, it was that, like, yeah, I, I, I love Tamora Morrison, I want to see him do more, but it, 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 it didn't feel like there was an artificial reason why he was showing shutting up. Like, in the story... It was great to see her shine. Yeah. And I felt like, yeah, he would just sit and watch. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I, I feel like, I mean, and anything that I can um, uh, see Ming-Na in, you know, I was yeah. a huge fan of her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I've, I've been a fan of her in a number of other things previous. So, it, but it, you're right. It does make sense. And everything in Star Wars should be driven for the story, uh, contrary to what uh, the Internet thinks. Uh, I yes. know it's cool <laughs> and you want to see your, your favorite characters have their moments and, you know, sit around sipping on, you know, mint juleps talking about, yeah. you know, the Clone Wars and stuff like that. But you can't have that all the time. And, and it, yeah, it totally makes sense. And I'm fine if, if Boba is, you know, if he's the crime lord sitting in the background running things, you know, we, the, 
the first scene that we saw of him in the end of the Mandalorian, you know, really put him in that Conan pose mm-hmm. where, you know, he's, yeah. the, he's the king to kind of sitting back and you, you run your generals out and you have them do what they need to do. This is a long stretch, but did you ever watch the old um, Justice League animated TV show? The one that kind of was a continuation of the Batman, the animated series? Oh, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. yeah, my kids and I really enjoyed that when it was coming out. Justice League um, United, I think, or something like that. Yeah, Unlimited, something Unlimited, like that. Unlimited, that was it, yeah. yeah. One thing I love about that is that they were very... And granted, you can do this with animation because you don't have a bunch of actors sitting around set waiting to do something. But, you know, if there's a story that involves uh, the Martian... Uh, God, I can't remember. John Jones. Um, Yeah. Uh, If you have a story that involves John Jones, uh, the Martian, you know, the Martian Manhunter, that's it. Um, You know, you just go off. And if if Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman don't appear for a couple of episodes, that's fine. Yeah. And and I kind of love the idea that maybe and, and maybe they'll just start calling it like, you know, life in life below the radar screen in, in after the Jedi. Like that's a terrible name for a TV show, but it'll be like, you know, we're going to follow Boba doing a couple things and then we're going to go off and do this. And then we're going to, you know, follow this traffic cop who flies yeah. an X-wing because he's played by Paul Sun Young Lee. Who's a fan. Like that's going to be a, a movie about fighter pilots, you know, right. we're not just doing traffic cop stuff. Like, and, and it I, becomes more what it is now, what it's turning into, I guess it's not, a Boba Fett-centered show. It's not a Mandalorian-centered show. It's an ensemble, which, you know, like, like Deadwood or The Sopranos or you know, any, yeah. uh, Breaking Bad. You know, we don't necessarily follow the main character all the time, right? You go off and you tell other character stories, and yeah. even in your spinoffs, you focus on characters from the original series sometimes. You know, so yeah. I, I think that's a it's an interesting way for them to play it and to get kind of the best of all worlds, right? You get your chances to do the, the Western and the, the samurai epic with the lightsaber mm-hmm. fights, but also you get your gunfights and your space battles and your bounty hunting. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's, it's just this mix of things. And whatever they call the show, I'm going to watch it, I, though it does kind of you know, make you wonder what are they going to do then for an Ahsoka show? Is it really going to be an Ahsoka show or is it more Obi-Wan show? Is it, well, I think we know the Obi-Wan show is going to be more than just Obi-Wan hanging out, right? We've, we've heard some rumors about other actors and stuff that are going to be in that. So talk about a time where I wish the voice actor, uh, Matt Lautner was, was doing that instead of, uh, Mr. Haydenson coming back, but that's, uh, that's my own, my own cross to bear. (laughs) Um, that'll be interesting to, to see what, what they do, but also that's very exciting, uh, to, to involve, uh, the, you know, the original actor uh, or the more recent Mm -hmm. actor in that. If nothing else with the Obi-Wan show and we're kind of on a tangent here, so we can start wrapping up. My other big complaint about this so far is that I was so excited to see more of the Tuscans. And so for them to just be killed, and granted, they, they gave it to us as, you know, because at first I was like, this is just dances with wolves. And then once he realized, no, the whole point is that he that Boba screwed up by getting them all in trouble. Like, I, I like that story beat. But I do, I do, I did, I, I am a little unsatisfied that we haven't gotten more of the Tuscans. And I, I, I don't know if there's going to be a scene where he kind of like rallies the Tuscans to help them as part of this big battle we're building to. But if nothing else, I certainly think we're getting a lot more of them in the, either the Kenobi or the probably in the Kenobi show. So yeah, we'll for, uh, two episodes ago when <clears throat> he was um, or when Fennec Shand was suggesting that they get more muscle, part of me for a split second before I realized, oh, yeah, they're probably going to go for the Mandalorian was, oh, I wonder if they're going to bring, you know, the, uh, another tribe in, right. you know, as which unfortunately i think if they did do that with the kind of the heavy hitters that you see of course they would end up just being fodder which yeah. is reducing them reducing the role of the tuscan um species or characters on the show what they've already built them up as more important than just being that and really kind of have yeah. already shown that with the the train episode so uh, yeah, you kind of lose if the whole point is that Boba realizes that he he got them killed by by you know overstating what he thought he could do. Yeah, if he just rounds them up to be cannon fodder, it it completely undoes that. So yeah, yeah, kinda, they kind of can't be at that for that. But that's why I hope we we'll could see but them. But I in think show. they were the learning curve for him to be in this new position because you know now when he invites the um, the mods 
in or Chrysanthemum or the Mandalorian, he is aware and hopefully is making them aware of the risks mm-hmm. that yeah. he, he has with this. And, you know, hopefully we'll understand that when he pushes, right, he knows that there is a chance that he, they will get pushed yeah. back and, you know, there will be people that die. And I'm sure there will be people that die and it's probably going to be the mods uh, <laughs> at this point. But, you know, that's that's the the growth that we're getting for this character, which is, you know, unexpected. Uh, this is mm-hmm. not where I thought we would be seeing the story go, uh, but you know, I'm yeah. I'm kind of down for thirty to fifty minutes of Star Wars every week. That's uh, it's whatever. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm loving it. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, so uh, any other? La- I have two two last questions for you. But first, any other last points you wanted to comment on, or things we hadn't gotten to touch on? Uh, no, not, not really. I mean, other than just like the fact that you know we we lost all these interesting characters uh, in potentially in the bombing of the the cantina gambling mm-hmm. casino that we didn't really get to explore, but of course, you know, there's, they've been doing flashbacks now. So who who knows? We, we probably will get some other uh, stuff there. And I'm just looking forward to seeing where they go with this. I'm, I'm, I, it's one of those shows there, there are some uh, episodic shows where they really intrigue me and I do want to figure out where they're going. And here I'm just kind of sitting back and not wasting too much of my brain on it because not that I would get, um, uh, wrapped up in what my idea was and thinking that's how mm-hmm. it should go. But um, I just I just am letting it wash over me rather than expending a lot of my energy on it. I want to talk to people about it and discuss it and say, hey, this was cool and I wish they had done that. But uh, whatever else they've got, yeah, just, just keep bringing it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's significant that the thing that we were kind of most, you know, a little saddened about was the stuff that's the most connected to the larger story we already know. You know, the stuff about Luke and Grogu and the Jedi. Yeah, and yeah. Like part of what I've been liking, it's kind of part of what I liked about Rogue One so much is it's not connected to like it. it, it it's a it's a story beat in the larger story, but. I don't need to care about what's going to like, there's no pre-existing story where I'm like, well, it's gotta like, I didn't like the Han Solo movie. Cause I just felt like it didn't, it wasn't my Han Solo, you know? Mm. And, and some people love it and that's fine. But yeah, I think, I think the ability to explore all the stuff that happens below the radar screen, you know, has just been so good. So and the, uh, one last little thing I just needed to say, uh, particularly because Paul Hoppy, who's a regular co-host of mine, uh, uh, he, he's really kind of put animal rights much more in my head and then they should have been. And so now I'm thinking about it all the time. Luke, like, picking up all those frogs and then just dropping them out of nowhere. Like, come on. Be nicer to the wildlife. Like, you're preventing Grogu from eating them great. But still, like, you know, they only have one eye. They've got a tough enough life already. Yeah, I mean, he Uh, (laughs) he wasn't touching them, right? He wasn't rubbing their mucus uh, off of them so they could get infections and stuff. So, yeah. But uh, that was not not great. And (laughs) jump on the backs of the water buffalo or whatever, too. Oh, yeah. Well, so here's my last two questions. Uh, in this big battle scene we're going to get, is Boba Fett going to be riding a Rancor and will Danny Trejo show up somehow? Oh, and boy. Just, like, I'm sure he's got a character name. He is just Danny Trejo. That's just, there's nothing, he will never be anything else to me but Danny Trejo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, I, I'm surprised he hasn't been named after a knife of some kind, like his name's not Vibroblade <laughs> or something like yes. that. Yes, <laughs> that'd be um, so good. Boy, you know what? I I was thinking that he was going to go back and get a Bantha. I I, I kind of, uh, in, in the last two weeks, I've forgotten about the Rancor. Um, yeah, I think that would be awesome. Uh, you know, and uh, given the fact that they did canonically mention the Night Sisters riding the Rancors uh on their home planet, which mm-hmm. was an expanded universe story beat from way long ago, way back in the nineties. Right. Um, yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm right? all for that. <laughs> yeah. Like on the one hand, I feel like it wouldn't, it hasn't really been earned. We haven't seen him. Like we haven't gotten like the Mandalorian with the, um, the blurg type thing. Yeah. Uh, but like, Hey, maybe that's why Boba Fett hasn't been doing much the last two episodes. Right, right. He's, he's been, been training. Yeah. He's been learning about these emotionally complex creatures that are Banthas. <laughs> what, so whatever. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Jay, thank you so much. You're the perfect guest for this. I'm so glad we got to talk about this. Um, for folks who are, uh, excited about what you've got to say and they want to find more of it, uh, where can they find more of your writings or, or podcasting? Uh, you can find uh, all of my work at RetroZap.com. That's where uh, we've got a show called Superhero Suite, uh, which is a bi-weekly show where we discuss all things superheroes, reviews, comics, movies, TV shows, whatever. 
Um, uh, I do that with my co-host Josh, and we also have a show called a weekly show called Enjoy Stuff, where we find the fun in everything. Kind of a retro podcast, just talking about pop culture that we grew up with and that we share with our families and, and kids. And uh, coming back in uh, just a few weeks here, we will have Scarlet Velocity, which is a Flash podcast that is continuing to follow the eighth season, uh, seventh, eighth season of The Flash here. We've, we've been on hiatus for so long now. I don't nice. even know, know where we are with that. And I also do some written stuff over there as well. Uh, do a Sci-Fi Saturdays write-up each week, uh, just following an iconic uh, science fiction film, doing a little review of that. And um, MC Location Scout, which uh, charts all of the filming locations of the yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe films and TV shows. So if you want to know where anything was filmed, mclocationscout.com. Yeah, that that resource was a big part of what we uh, talked with you about when we got you on the Marvel Movie Minute. It is such a great resource. I definitely enjoy checking it out. I definitely want to listen to your Enjoy Things uh, podcast because I, I, and I know I'm part of this sometimes, but I do feel like there is such a, you know, saying you like something isn't interesting. And so you have to have a take. You have to be edgy. You have to say it. And no. like, Sometimes we can just enjoy things. You it's, know, right, just, and it's okay not it, to enjoy everything. And like uh, on our, our recent episode, we were talking about the Matrix films and you know our, our ideas of why we liked or didn't like parts of them, but that there is something in everything to enjoy and just you know share with, with your friends. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Uh, folks, definitely check out what Jay's got to say. And, uh, Definitely check out Jay's podcast and writings. Of course, if you want to um, hear more about what I'm doing, go to theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find this podcast and all the episodes of the Superhero Ethics podcast and other things I do. Of course, there is also a great way to give us feedback. What do you think of this episode? Is is Are you really liking like the way Luke's training Grogu? Did some of it not quite work for you? Let us know what you have to say. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. You can email us, use the contact form, whatever you want to do. Uh, so I have myself, Jay, thank you all so much for being a great audience. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day. <laughs>